to Evolve and Element. Please share your name, what you do, and what would you like to talk about today? Hi, uh, I'm Edward Amino, and I'm a recently graduated filmmaker, game designer, and game programmer. Awesome. Uh, I guess I'd like to talk about video games. <laughs> yes, I knew it. I knew it, man. I knew it. So um, first off, congratulations on graduating. That's an amazing step, milestone in your life. Um, Thanks. Enjoy every moment of it. Um, and yeah, we can be graduates together now. We can just do graduate stuff. So yes, today we're going to be talking about video games. Where would you like to start? So I mean, my, my recent project is kind of uh, combining everything that I've learned from making films into making video games. Okay. And uh, basically, the idea is that um, when you when you watch a film, mm -hmm. the elements of the film kind of create an illusion in your mind, mm -hmm. uh, like the um, the kinds of disparate shots and dialogue and characters, and they they don't actually exist in one continuity. They're they're kind of made into a continuity in your mind when you watch. Like, Interesting. That's, so this is what's it's, happening. It's kind of like reading a book. Yeah, yeah, because okay. those people are like, you know, standing in different areas and trying to create a sense of continuity. And if there is no continuity, they're trying to create a sense of metaphor or a sense of meaning between shouts that are linked. So our brain kind of kind of does this thing where like, even if two different shots are, they, they're taking place at different times of a story, mm -hmm. we kind of, we kind of, we kind of uh, assume or interpret a kind of meaning between them. Like, like almost as if they must have been put together for a reason. So it's, it almost comes out involuntarily. It's like, right. It's like a, it's a phenomenological thing that people do when they watch a movie. Interesting. And what would you say, what would you say, maybe in your opinion, what movie do you feel does that the best? I mean, they, they kind of all do that. That's the thing. It's like, uh -huh. it's kind of the, it's like when you put two images together and kind of play them back to back or like any kind of two scenes together, uh like the mind will automatically make a jump to assume mm -hmm. what their link is and like the the most obvious example would be like the Kuleshov effect where you have like mm. uh like a guy's face with a blank expression and then uh like two basically two images of a guy's face with a blank expression and in between them there's like another image and if like it's a bowl of soup then he's hungry like you see the guy's face the bowl of soup and then the guy's face again you kind of oh he must be hungry even though there's no expression on his face mm -hmm. uh, and if you substitute that image for like something else like um, mm -hmm. like I don't know, like a woman in a bikini, like the right Hitchcock example. And now he's like, he really likes women, or he really likes that woman. <laughs> like there's, uh, there's like there's a sense of desire that you interpret in his face, even though mm -hmm. those images were taken were taken at different, uh, mm -hmm. different so points. With that in mind, like do do we have like film directors or anyone who's part of the production team? Do they? try to manipulate that given that it is a phenomenon do they try to somehow wield yeah it? i mean that's okay that's kind of like what the art is so it's okay. like how do you how do you uh like how do you i mean basically film is a manipulation it's a manipulation of mm -hmm. spatial and continuity spatial awareness of continuity where you try and create a story in the in the viewer's mind or imagination based on what they're seeing so if you have a guy running in one shot and then you have the same guy running in another shot that's an entirely different location. You kind of just assume that he's ran from a place that looks like a field to a place that looks like a beach. Like it's right. Or like if you have one shoe here or one shoe there, it's like, it's like a, it's 
Right. It's, it's kind of elliptical edit that leaves out the time. It's it's kind of like playing with your brain and playing with your expectations. But basically, like my project was about uh, kind of uh, interpreting narrative that's being told via game systems mm -hmm. uh, with the same kind of phenomenological lens that film uses to create uh, a sense of narrative in your mind. Cool. So, well, what would you say is like one thing that you like was a big takeaway from this project that you did? Um, there's so many. So many. I don't know. <laughs> well, that's cool. But what's the last one you thought about recently? I mean, like, huh? I guess, like, I mean, well, one thing that I that that one of the ideas I had was that like every single uh, medium kind of like pulls in more mediums, like. How I explain it like you had a you had illustrations which were like a very specific defined limited medium of like ink on paper mm -hmm. and then you had like theater which was now a combination of like illustrations in the background drama drama in the, in the middle midground and then like uh music being played so it's that's now three different mediums in conjunction now you had movies which were like including photography drama possible illustration you know, technical technical effects, mm -hmm. and uh, a bunch of other stuff. You know, mixing and editing, and it, it creates its own medium as a result because, like, editing an image onto another image or near another image is now a new, it's a new medium as a result of the phenomenon of combining those mediums. So mm -hmm. with video games, it's almost like um, you've got the music, you've got the drama, you've got the, you've got all these things that were already there, but now you also have like uh, player interaction and expectation and like kind of basically a sense of play, which is like, yeah, uh, simply put is like, if I do this, what's going to happen? Like I'm presented with this situation, this world, this whatever. Mm -hmm. And if I do this action, what's going to happen as opposed to if I do this action. And then that sense of play is how you engage with that material. Does um, it, does it start off that way or does it, or does it kind of just find its own way at that point? Does it start off with that intent or it just happens like you said, naturally, like as a, as a, as a creator. Like, do you see yourself when you're out to make this project? Do you have that in mind, or do you just do you just put? I mean, I, what I had in mind at first was I was trying to kind of figure out what, um, like, I was trying to trying to see like, how do I put this? Like, as a as an artist, there's a so a certain like culture you have around you based on all the things that you've experienced in both mm -hmm. art and in your life. And like, I was trying to see um, kind of, how do I put it? Uh, like, try to explore how that is formed. Like what ends up influencing you, what media and what, uh, what life experiences have influenced you and how that comes out. And I was trying to explain that through kind of systemic, I mean, the, the, so the name of the project is Systems of Expression. Yeah. Um, and basically what I'm trying to explore is to create kind of gameplay systems that would define or explore or express, uh, no pun intended. things in, yeah, <laughs> things, things in your own, uh, life or world that, uh, end up kind of manifesting in your mind and end up having to come out when you create something. 
Well, that's um, the way you um, eloquently put it. I mean, I was trying to catch up as a dummy that I am. I was trying to like just see the words in my head and try to see the video game. And what you sh <laughs> basically taught me just now is that there's more. I'm, I'm going to steal Optimus Prime's pro quote here. It's more than meets the eye. It's not just like a, a video game. It's it's a lot of effort that goes into these projects, even with your your own particular project. Um, and you were just one person working on it. I can imagine yeah. a team of brains working on something like that. I mean, you said influence yeah. before. I'm curious, what was your what would you say was your dominant influence while making this? Um, there's a lot of things. Uh, I was doing a lot of research into like. Uh, how video games had evolved in different, uh, well, basically, like, uh, throughout the 80s and 90s, there were two dominant forces in the kind of evolution of video games as a medium, mm -hmm. and that was, like, the East and West, where it's, like, the West was mostly, um, like, it started off as computer geeks, and, like, uh, it, it became more of, like, like RPGs <laughs> that were, be like, role-playing games made by... Uh, very hobbyist computer like enthusiast. oriented people right yeah enthusiasts and it wasn't very affordable and it wasn't very like accessible to most people it was mm -hmm. very systems heavy uh very, whereas in the in the east uh with the technological boom and bubble market in japan mm -hmm. uh they tried to create uh a more like accessible version of that experience i'm i'm, I'm focusing on the rpg because mm -hmm. it's the most I would say systems heavy uh, narrative driven experience mm. like as a genre as opposed okay. to other other more focused things like sports games or action games which are more focused on one specific uh, like thing that you do RPGs right. are more flexible and they kind of are defined by creating systems around which the player interacts with kind of specifically designed worlds uh, so yeah, it, it kind of kind of like a bunch of programmers and designers played those Western games and found to love them and mm -hmm. and they adapted it into their own thing, which ended up becoming extremely popular worldwide. And then the Western people kind of adapted it too. And then it kind of it's kind of like a back and forth. Right. Have um, you seen the documentary so, on um, Nintendo, the recent one that I think is on Netflix? You get a chance to see that? Uh, I have not heard of that, no. Well, it's, yo, you gotta, you, if you get a chance, check it out. I have to maybe forward you the title. I don't remember. It's probably like Nintendo or something. Uh, but basically <laughs> the, the, the owner, um, I think of the Sweden branch or the Western, let's just say the European market. He was in charge of the European mm -hmm. market. And I believe he, he basically faked his identity to make a meeting with the folks at Nintendo. And he's like, listen, um, I tell you, I can get market values that skyrocket here in Europe. And he basically kept calling these people left and right, left and right. And finally they met and they agreed to this huge um, deal in the making, you know, um, history in the making. Um, and it wound up bringing all that, all that love that we love for like Mario and Nintendo Switch to the West side. And I thought how creative that and how ballsy that was for someone to see that way ahead of their time to see that that was going to be a big thing on the West side as well. It wasn't just the East thing. So it was interesting that yeah. you started talking about those two, um, those two already. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, it's like two different, like 
very different environments for technology. Um, especially like even now, um, I, I think from what I remember researching that the PC is mm -hmm. not that still not that popular in the East. Uh, and like they have a more, I would say television oriented, like there's one TV in like a room as opposed mm -hmm. to like separate devices that you would have now with like, especially with computer hobbyists, even now who will build their own PC. Mm -hmm. Like I think that that hobby is a lot more prevalent in the, in the West than West side in the east which is yeah. cool when those two come together it's it's interesting to see how that works out yeah i also i so noticed like, that in the east they tend to be more um health centric they tend to be more about okay how can we get games to move people versus um yeah that's true which is interesting so karaoke i don't know if you consider that a game but um i guess yeah, it's I like a, it's a game. You, you know they have like kind of like guitar hero kind of essence to it um mm -hmm. and then you have um, like to say the Nintendo, Nintendo Wii, for example, or Nintendo Switch. Uh, those things are really interesting how, yeah. you know, it's simple. I'd also done a lot of research on like, for my project at least, I'd also done a lot of research on like, mm -hmm. uh, how, how to like, or how dreams have, how, how movie, how film directors have adapted a dreamlike environment or a dreamlike setting into their films, how they play with, uh -huh. um, yeah, like, because in a normal continuity, you would, you wouldn't really go for that. You would go for like a, a realistic approach of like you know dialogue, action, dialogue, action. But uh, there are film directors who would experiment with that and kind of go for a more, maybe surreal or maybe more like, sometimes meandering or <laughs> back and forth. Non, 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 non real. Yeah, non real settings. Right. And I would kind of incorporate that into my own. It becomes almost oversaturated at a certain point. It was interesting at first, and like, <laughs> then when multiple directors are doing the same exact thing, oh, it's a dream. That's it's all makes sense. Like that's well, not not necessarily it. that it is a dream, but more, more that like, um, like when you're when you're actually dreaming, mm -hmm. like things kind of bleed into each other, and nothing has a definite definite shape. Mm -hmm. So I'm 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 more I'm more describing like. Not that the narrative was in a dream, but more of like the practice and technique of mm, creating I see what you mean. A, a kind of situation or sensation where mm -hmm. kind of logic is kind of mixing up and like I things see. have things have a more direct and emotional impact. This reminds me of that movie um, with Jim Carrey and I forget the woman's name from Titanic. Um, Winston, Kate Winston, if I'm correct. Um, the, I'm trying to believe, trying to think what the name was um t titles today not good for me at all but essentially um they erase his memory he signs up to mm -hmm. get his, his memory erased and he at a certain point he wants to forget his his, his past romance with with this yeah yeah girlfriend. eternal sunshine there you go yeah that's yeah. the one so i mean would that consider would that be along the lines of what you're referring to um yeah I, it's been a while since i've seen that but mm -hmm. there are a lot of moments in that where um like memory gets mixed up and there's like montages of you know things that the characters had experienced getting bled together and characters getting swapped out with each other mm -hmm. i would say like basically any kind of strange editing or like um well in, in film there's like a term that's like if the camera is motivated or not and from what perspective the camera is so if like when you have a motivated camera that means that the camera is being 
is like it's being shot from the perspective of how a character feels. So like if the character feels small, they'll be very small in the frame as an obvious example. Right. Um, if they Are feel they low, they'll, they'll seem powerful. Yeah, right. yeah. But okay. then there's the unmotivated camera where the camera seems to take almost the mind of its own or the mind of an external being that the, the audience is not aware of. Mm. And the character gets treated as an other as opposed to having um, influence over the presentation of, you know, the world that you're seeing. Do and we like, have that? Do we have that in role-playing games? Do you think is that is that? Uh, yeah, they use that concept in role-playing games as well. I think I think so. Yeah, things like that. They are used in role-playing games, although not explicitly. Like not maybe not without maybe without acknowledgement. Mm. And what I'm trying to do as one of the things in my project is to kind of argue that like those kinds of things in the former medium get kind of they come into the new medium of video games and like specifically like all of those little things that create a scene you know the props the shots the angles the characters all the, that interplay with with those they're almost systems of their own and now in a video game like the mechanic systems and loops they they act in the same way that shots do in a movie to create the environment of a world in your mind that's, I can only imagine, like, um, what are some of the companies right now that you can just think of off the top of your head um, that I'm just trying to think of gaming companies in particular, like, I'm, I mean, you mentioned Nintendo, but I, so say Nintendo, let's just say, our, our, I'm trying to see, like, what does the crew look like? Like, what does that consist of? You have animators, you have photographers. Uh, yeah. You know, yeah. If you could just educate us. Um, well, like, I've been on very small crews for, like, classes, I, I guess. You wouldn't really call them crews. You would call them production teams. Okay. But there, yeah, there's usually a director who's kind of almost the same as a director in a movie. They're kind of managing the entire production and like they, they're the one with the creative vision and they kind of oversee mm -hmm. like the work of each individual mm -hmm. uh, kind of department. And yeah, there, there are animators, uh, 3D modelers, uh, sometimes 2D artists, uh, programmers, sometimes well, in a larger crew, there would be a design, like other gameplay designers or level designers, and then the programmers would work with the designers to create. There's mm -hmm. like the front end, which is like, kind of this should be here, that should be there, and this should work right. like this. If you jump on that, this happens. And the programmers will like create systems that allow for that interaction. Sure. Um, yeah, it's and there's the musicians. Uh, oh yeah, you get like hands in yeah, to kind of score the, the game. <laughs> yeah, like a score and it. I don't think he does games. I don't think he's ever done a game. I don't know. I would have to yeah. do that later. There are there are there are like film musicians that have done uh, have done game scores. Uh, can't remember the guy from Metal Gear, but he did the. Hmm. Can't remember his name. I I <laughs> remember one in particular, which was creepy. I remember um, Resident Evil. How scary yeah. the the music in that game was, especially yeah, yeah. PlayStation One, PlayStation. And I was just yeah. Thinking, when you think about it, mm -hmm. like in terms of, um, it, it's kind of the same as like like you have old horror movies, and like they couldn't they couldn't show you, you know, like graphically realistic monsters, so they would play with the lighting and they especially play with the sound. Yes. Because the sound is really the direct way to get into somebody's like under mm -hmm. somebody's skin. So Ooh. those old PlayStation One games, you know, they couldn't really look resonate. very horrifying, but. Um, they would trick you with like these obtuse control schemes mm -hmm. and camera angles that you have no control over. Like you, 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 you feel they, the entire game is built around making you feel like 
you have very little control and things are out to get you. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> you know, sound I mean, will come closer. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, the rooms will like, it, it, especially with the way that you control in those games, because you kind of have to uh, micromanage your own walking. Like you hold forward to go forward in the direction the character's facing and you have to hold left, you know, press left and right to like turn them slowly. Mm -hmm. So, you know what I thought like was interesting? Yeah. Was um, the first person, second person, third person views, especially when like, mm -hmm. I believe, I don't know if PlayStation 1 had, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but I remember PlayStation 2 games mostly, like Grand Theft Auto, mm -hmm. they had that third person, that second person, you could see things from bird's eye view. Um, mm -hmm. Do you feel like that's still a thing in games today? Do you feel like it's needed? Or yeah. It's, it's, it's still a thing? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Well, I would, I would argue, I mean, it's still a thing. However, I would say it's, it's, uh, it's not as, it's not used to its potential. It, it can be a lot more, uh, there's a, there's a game called Near Near Automata, Nier Automata, which uh, kind of, yeah, it's it has it's an action game, kind of action RPG, but um, it like it is a game that keeps switching perspectives. Like it will switch from third person to kind of side scrolly to like over the over the like the bird's eye, like you said, and it, mm -hmm. it's it's like a fluid. Like you will just keep walking, and it'll keep switching as you play, and mm -hmm. it's it's it, that, that's kind of that's kind of the thing that I think we sh we should see more of like we should see at least with my project at least with one of the like the i guess one of the main things that i'm arguing is that um each like individual gameplay system is a medium of its own mm -hmm. so like whether you're a side scroller whether you're a 3d exploration game or you're a like you know third person you know ex like movement kind of sim mm -hmm. those are all different mediums through which like you express things in that language so your 2d platformer the things that you jump over the things that you climb onto the things that you have to manage are are like its own that's its own medium that will explain its own stories in its own way and it would be completely different from a different kind of game for example like a text-based story where like you have to make choices like those are completely different mediums and in the future i would say well, at least what i would like to do is make games that that combine all those mediums and make stories engineered from those mediums. So like, if I want to create a certain kind of story, I would develop a medium for it. I would develop a type of gameplay for that and then like stitch it together. Like this medium and that medium and this. Like, you know. that, sounds, that sounds amazing to me because even at the most basic of the goals that you have, right? It, it's to me, mm -hmm. it's like a push to push into whatever future that is. And it's exciting yeah. because whenever you see a game, I, I don't know if you still get this feeling, but when you get that game for the first time, you're like there with the game or you're with friends or whatever the case may be, or by yourself. Mm -hmm. it, it just feels, it feels like this really, like it's something great's about to happen moment. Like you feel that inside your heart and you, you turn it on and it just, you're, now you're immersed in this game. And I can only imagine yeah. like taking what you've been doing on your project and like say, put that into a VR medium. I can only imagine mm -hmm. what people would feel like like say if i am a bird's eye view then oh my mm -hmm. god I, I i am a bird now like this is it's, <laughs> well, like, it's i would say it's more like it's more like your relationship with almost like yourself like or your avatar like mm -hmm. what would it be like if you're walking down a street in full first person in vr and then the next moment you're seeing yourself from above like mm -hmm. you're still controlling yourself the same way but now you just have a completely different angle on your own body like that's kind of what i'm what that's I'm going intense. for. 
That's insane. Yeah, like it's, I mean, that's a hell of experience. I mean, like, a video games in themselves is an escape. You know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. it could be a sport, it could be many things. But for for me, and I know for many others, it's been it's been an escape. Like you go in this world and you, you live yeah. live that life for a little bit, you know, to, to get yeah. out of the regular well, I would say like part of it is because you wanna know more about that world and you wanna know more about mm-hmm. who you are if presented with that world. Like if I were this kind of guy, like in this other situation completely different from my own, what would I be like? What would I act like? How would I think about things? And then also yeah. like if that world were to exist, what would it look like? How would it work? Like those kinds of right. questions are what fascinate us into that. That's what that I love about Sims. About Sims at first, mm-hmm. when I first started playing Sims, it was like I could build my own place. This is cool. All right, let's try making yeah. some. <laughs> let's make some roller coasters exactly. that don't have like, you know, like a <laughs> yeah crazy drop. What would happen? Well, where would they go? <laughs> yeah. What would happen to those people? Uh-huh. What happens and, if I stop uh, feeding all night? Yeah. <laughs> But games like that, where you get to explore and learn about yourself, I, that seems healthy to me. That seems like you can make mistakes and not be punished for it. You know, that's why I love Grand Theft Auto so much because it was like, I could rob a car. Okay, would I really do that in real life though? No, but in the game, you know what's funny? Like, have you ever been in that Grand Theft Auto or any game like that and you just stick to all the rules? You don't eat any lights or you don't get any, and you're like, what am I yeah. doing? <laughs> You know, there are actual games that are like, um, that that have an open sandbox environment or an open world, similar to Grand Theft Auto. However, they do have rules. You know, mm-hmm. however, they do have almost meticulous. Uh, there's a there's a serious there's a Japanese kind of action mm-hmm. uh, sort of open world simulator game in in America. It's called Yakuza, but there is one. Yeah, in the in the the fifth one. There's a specific kind of uh, gameplay mode where you play as a taxi driver, um, and like every single rule that you break, you lose points and money, <laughs> okay. and it, it gets like to the point of like you got to turn on your turn signals, you got to not like accelerate too too fast too quickly yeah. for the passengers will get will get like startled. You've also got to make conversation with the passenger, like and like give timely responses as they say things to you. So that's like a system, a very specific system that's expressing to you, like the player, the life of a taxi driver or the life of like, it's kind of, it's kind of, kind of gamifying that, that experience in a way. Yeah. And it's sure. like, that, that's a unique, yeah. Like, you don't, that's not like a genre that you would see very often, but. Yeah. Like, I mean, I've definitely of, seen yeah. the taxi game come out before. I mean, I, I've yeah, seen like that element, life, right? but it was never to the point where the rules were more exactly. like, you need to turn on your signal. That's interesting. Yeah. <laughs> it's like conditioning yeah. to be a better driver, which is cool. Um, yeah, almost. But it's almost like, even if you are a driver, I would imagine, I mean, I don't drive, but if you are a driver and you know all those rules, like suddenly having to do them and like learn how to do them on your controller is a whole different world. And it's almost like you're experiencing stuff that you know and don't think about in a way that's like making you conscious about it. Mm. I think that's one of the ways that games can really make you realize stuff or learn things, you know once you become conscious of those things that you're doing, even if they're your job, like, Mm -hmm. how do you feel about them? Yeah, it's interesting territory there, Ed. It's definitely (laughs) interesting. I I was thinking about the controls, too, how they changed over time dramatically. I remember, you remember before, they Mm -hmm. were wired, and it was, like, this big clunky thing you're holding, and it's, like, you know, Mm -hmm. and and it's always had its appeal because it had shiny buttons, and and then eventually it started vibrating, and, you know, and then you're like, wow, I felt gunshot or something this is this is kind of too real for me and then things started progressing little by little little by little 
it's gotten more yeah. slimmer, more more lighter. It's Bluetooth now. It's like, and then then it's it's like this now, you know. So yeah, <laughs> it's eventually eventually it's gonna be like in your eye or something, and you don't gotta even do anything with your hands. I mean, maybe you touch stuff. Maybe yeah, that's about it. But who knows, man? Who knows? I might smell it. I, I mean, know. essentially, it's about like like I would say back then. Um, the kind of if we if we were to go back to the like the hobbyist computer geek mm-hmm. world, uh, a lot of games had this maximalist mentality of like, like you've got fifty different things you can do on your keyboard, and like mm-hmm. all of them, it takes a day to like memorize them and learn that system. But once you do, you feel really accomplished because now you can really like immerse yourself in this extremely complicated gameplay system mm-hmm. or like simulator, where like every single button on your keyboard has an action, and they all have a specific moment where you want to press that to be optimal. Right. And then over time, you have, you know, games that are much more accessible and like a lot more simple. And like, you know, there's the Mac, you know, mm-hmm. minimalist versus maximalist Approach, mentality right. of like, yeah, like how much, how much of, of like, basically how complicated do you want to make this? The less complicated, the more people it will reach versus the more like deeper it will be, the more rewarding it will be for your time. That's the whole thing that's interesting because we have we we're in this very interesting time. I think it's always interesting, but in this particular time and day, we have this moment where we get to see all these different mediums playing out. We have these different interactions between, like you said, maximum and, and the minimalist approach. And yeah. I think there's benefits to when people are challenged. I think there's benefits when you can't beat that yeah. level or you can't even save it. Remember, at one point you couldn't even save your progress. Yeah, yeah. You had to just restart <laughs> all over again. And the fact that you could just jump back on now and just resume yeah. where you were before is interesting. Not, not every, yeah, but not every like mm-hmm. experience goes for that. There are still experiences being made. Um, like, I mean, the most popular obvious example is Dark Souls. I mean, we never stop hearing about Dark Souls, but that game can be unforgiving in how much it makes you try again. But that's kind of the point. That's like mm-hmm. the system is designed to express the feeling of being frustrated at yourself yeah and feeling like you can get over it and you can improve it's healthy that we have all these different varieties of gameplay that we can um jump into it's not just one format which is great it's not just pong anymore yeah this or this (laughs) over that oh even even you know even at the time of pong you had at least (laughs) other things like Mm -hmm. that that were completely different and you had arcades you you had you know yeah pinball machines i mean the list goes on yeah basically i think that once we start thinking about uh, how we can create systems for the sake of expressing something new, as opposed to like writing a story for a predetermined kind of game, mm-hmm. like like how many times have they made an action game and had to come up with a story for it? Because those mechanics are fun and we, we need to create something that will package that into a product versus mm-hmm. like making a new type of game or a slightly modified version of a pre-existing genre for the sake of creating, for the sake of telling your story, for the sake of telling what you want to express through those systems, through a systemic approach. Yeah, I mean, it's it's. I, I like the latter better than the, the just the story and just you do the mm-hmm. campaign, you know. That they do. I mean, there's. Yeah. I mean, I've seen. I've seen it done. I've seen it done. Like for example, like games like Zelda, for example, where mm-hmm. you're on this hero's journey, you know, to save the world. Yeah. Um, and even though most people don't know Zelda is Link, I mean, Zelda is not Link, but that's a whole nother issue. But, but I, you know, I, it took me a minute to figure that out too as a kid. But I was like, how? I thought Zelda was the dude. No, it's not. Okay. All right. We're well, moving forward. 
I thought it was cool because you had to break boxes, find some stuff, fight some bad guys along the way. I mean, Pokemon had the same concept, trying to catch them all. And, you know, it's nice to see how that evolves from time to time and how it still still exists to this day. You can still play Pokemon. You can still, I mean, you could do it on your, remember that whole craze with the Pokemon and we were trying to catch Pokemon outside and stuff like that. I mean, that was, people loved it because they were like running outside and like, oh, there's a, there's a Charizard over here or there's a, it's Mew. Oh, look, Mew's over there. You know, it's, I mean, it was nice to see people get out of their house and stuff and, and I don't know. What was your thoughts on that whole craze? What do you think about that? Um, yeah. Uh, I mean, I thought it was cool. I didn't, I actually didn't have a phone that could run it <laughs> at the time. Oh, okay, cool. In 2016. I still but... agree it 100%. I saw too yeah. many people doing it and, it, and I felt it wasn't cool. <laughs> so I was like, uh. But, I, I mean, mean it, people, were cool fun. Because... people were having fun. People were having fun. Yeah, well, it's like they, they I mean, it, it's a light gameplay system. It's like, how do we gamify going outside and doing these things, yeah. like exploring new places and you know, getting together with other people, meeting new people. I mean, it's a fun, it's a, it's a cool, it's yeah. a cool way to, to create a system around, you know, engaging with other real people. Yeah. And I think that's what Pokemon was from the very beginning. I mean, Pokemon only took off because, you know, you had the Game Boy and your friend Tim, Timmy from the playground had the Game Boy and you can trade, you know, your Blastoise for his Charizard and, and wow. battle each other. And it's almost like the trainer's you know the people in the game themselves yeah. were like metaphors for people you would run into on the street who had their own virtual world their own virtual pokemon mm -hmm. like their own little stories and then you would swap those stories and you know e each pokemon that you had that you put time into they became one of your stories they became one of your mm -hmm. like this is I w i've had so many battles with this one and he's kind of grown with me and now i want to give him to you and you give me yours and it's kind of like a swapping of you know personal personal mm -hmm. time personal mm -hmm. moments yeah mm -hmm. it just, that's it. it just yeah and and you could you could say that like pokemon go is a more minimal or you know simplified version of the original and it will reach more people because it's on a like more convenient platform and mm -hmm. you know eliminates a lot of the, the time the, the requirement for you spending time and making a lot of decisions micromanaging decisions mm -hmm. and you know there's arguments for both approaches it just depends on what you want to do and how for you want to sure. do it I, i'm just happy that both exist you know like there's a variety. <laughs> yeah, out they there. should exist. It's it's yeah. it's sort of like when you're in I don't know like in middle school as a cafeteria and you have like ten different people to sit with and you're like I'm just I I might just it's nice to have more options you know if you only had like two options yeah like, I don't think I fit in either one of them what do I do so yeah so I'm I'm trying to think of like you have Nintendo you have PlayStation you have Xbox right I mean and then you mm -hmm. also have the PC world of things. I mean, it's nice that these things exist. I'm, I'm glad that they, I'm glad that there's a Fortnite. I'm glad that there's a Dark Souls. I'm glad there's yeah. a Nintendo Switch with, you know, same game yeah. as like when we grew up with, you know, I'm, I'm happy for all that stuff. Or Sony doing all the stuff they're doing over there. And, you know, it's interesting. Um, but I don't, I think a world where that didn't exist would be kind of, like you said, limiting expression and also just kind of boring. I don't know. It doesn't, I don't see how, I mean, it'd be fun. I mean, people would, they would people will definitely adapt to it or evolve it to you know whatever degree they want to because that's just our human nature we're gonna always take it and, and, and mix it up and do something else with it so it's, it's interesting to see what people do around the world especially with games you know it's very interesting mm -hmm. yeah oh man i recently i recently saw that resident evil came out during quarantine and i was like wow what a bold move 
that whole story is about <laughs> about yeah. viruses and everything else. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's almost like market, almost call. very timely. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm sure they had it in progress, and they, I mean, I'm sure they had it in production forever, and then they're like, "This is probably a good time." Yeah, that Dota's how people. Yeah, they definitely. Let's <laughs> They definitely did have it in production forever. Yeah, a little incent, a little you know, a little disingenuine, but you know, I'm glad. It came, <laughs> I'm glad it came out. That was cool. Yeah. Oh, um, I remember we had this conversation about Godzilla not too long ago. And I wanted uh, to ask you, I'm going to put this into the conversation where we had today, which I don't know how I'm going to pull this out of my ass, but here we go. Godzilla had, I don't know how many games they had, but there's one in particular I remember on PlayStation 2 where it's basically like Mortal Kombat, but everything's Godzilla. Everything's like uh-huh. fighting the Beetle, you're fighting Mothra, and the list goes on. Um, do you think those games are, I don't want to say cool, but do you still think those games, do you think like a younger generation will still be interested in monster fighting games or things that have to do with just complete, uh, let me compete and whoop your ass kind of thing? Yeah, well, if you're talking about fighting games in general, I definitely do think that there will always be a, an audience for it because, mm-hmm. I mean, more so than any other genre in a fighting game, mm-hmm. you have a very specific like, it's almost like chess versus like playing cards. Mm-hmm. You know, when you play cards, there's an element of randomness. Uh, for example, in a, in a online game mm-hmm. or team-based game, there's always a chance that someone on your team will be like, you know, just incompetent or, you know, not really playing to, to your skills or just, mm-hmm. you know, there's a, it's very difficult to get to cooperate online. And there's a sense of randomness in who you get versus in a, in like a, in like a one-on-one kind of game, it's really only you and your opponent. How well do you know your skills and how well do you know his or the the enemy you know character's abilities and right like it's it's like everything that you do and everything that he does that's all there is there's no other external it's like the most uh i don't know how to put it but the most uh direct competitive at least right now the most direct competitive Mm -hmm. form of gaming or at least popular form of gaming i don't think it's going to go away um Right, it's kind of embedded yeah. in us, the whole, like, um, kind of jack you up kind of feeling, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, it's... Competition, right? It's, yeah. like, instantly, yeah, you instantly see it and you know what it is. Like, it's... Yeah, it's instinctual, yeah. Um, so, yeah, you're on the I'm going to move forward right with esports. Go <laughs> I'm going to move forward with esports. Like... What was that? Mm-hmm. Sure. Okay, cool. What's your take on esports, man? It's, like, the number one thing right now even race car drivers are basically doing it at this point because everything like uh-huh. what's what do you think the future is for esports drone racing and listen <laughs> yeah off. i think there's going to be more of it um and i think that they're only reaching this new uh like well basically a sport sport is a sport it's a competition it's people working together to reach some goal mm-hmm. uh in a specific uh, game-like setting where there are rules and you know things in place yeah. and um, in an esport it's almost like that but just more a little bit more abstracted a little bit more mm-hmm. metaphorized but still basically the same thing uh, and yeah it's it's now that now that now that the public has kind of accepted uh, that that form of competition that form of of a uh, social and game like interaction, it will just keep going. I don't know what there will be. Yeah, there might be like drone racing and like, like imagine. I mean, like 
Mm. You've got, you know, VR and AR. Are you familiar with AR? Yeah, so, very little. I know it's argumented. That's about it, right? <laughs> augmented, yeah. yeah. Well, like, it's basically just like, I mean, imagine like holograms or things showing up mm -hmm. uh, either in real life or in like a screen. Like there's a photo, like basically like Pokemon Go, there's a, there's a photograph or a video and uh, there's uh, non-real elements appearing. Yeah. I haven't so, like personally checked like, it out yet, but yeah, it'd be cool yeah, to so see what that feels like. Imagine like a team of drone pilots and each of those drones has a specific camera and in that camera there are L AR elements and like the game would be around like having those AR elements uh, interact with each other somehow. I don't know how, but you know, that, that could that could be a way into the future of like combining yeah. drone tech, AR and you know, <laughs> yeah, esports. Sure. I mean, why not? I mean, no, it, like. it seems it seems like the best area to develop any of those things. So, I mean, you got esports, you got you got all the online games, which is just basically I think it's here to stay. Um, you got like GTA Online, you got Call of Duty, yeah. you got. I mean, the, the, basically, the best part of video games is that uh, there is room for anything that you might want. Like, there's mm, anything that you might want to say, anything, any kind of system that you might want to make to express feeling or idea or situation or world right it's the only you know there, there are so many possibilities open and whether that be like a team-based competitive situation or like a very focused narrative driven uh like story with the beginning middle and end or just like a kind of world that has its own ideas and own rules and own logic uh or kind of maybe even a memory you had that you can barely remember but you may only have a little bit left somewhere yeah and you just want to explore and see what it looked like put it into a screen it's all it's all there for you the tools are out there when you say when you say things like that it inspires me to kind of jump into your field even having no clue what i'm doing so i, <laughs> I want to ask you what is, what are some what was some advice that you give a younger ed about jumping uh, <laughs> into this field um i mean like the most well there's like three things one mm -hmm. uh like the engines for game production are now mostly free and public. You don't have to pay for them. Like Unity and Unreal, they're both pretty much available and there's so much documentation available. Mm -hmm. um, and that only happened, I think within the last 10 years. So, you know, now would be the best time to ever be doing that. Like the pro proliferation of the means to create whatever you want. Yeah. Uh, two, um, like, learning to code is a lot easier than you think it is because like it's basically like a bunch of on and off switches that control different things <laughs> um, that's a nice way of putting it yeah yeah i mean that's that's pretty much what it is like if this is on and this some, something else turns on and so on and so forth like infinitely um and like yeah the first step i would say would always be to so like there's two first steps the first the, the, the simultaneous first steps okay uh one of them is like learn how to code the most basic kinds of things and like i used we in, in class we use processing which is kind of like a javascript thing okay. and it's not even for programmers it's for like visual artists mm -hmm. to like like the, the the basic programs are set up and and like sketch like like set up a canvas this big and then sketch these shapes and then now if i hold this button this shape will go this way or that way you know you 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 set it up very simple programs but, but once you do that, you will kind of learn like basic grammar and syntax of it. And it's, it's, it is, it is really, there's only like eight or so things that you really need to know. And pretty much any 
programming language will use them to some extent or like use a different version of them. So like once you know how to do it in one way, you'll learn, you'll, you'll be able to adapt it to another one. I see. Um, but it's basically like the, like once you, it's like, it's like, uh, you know, riding a bike, like once you learn, well, I guess it's not really the best <laughs> analogy. Well, riding it, if you, well, I would, if to use your analogy, I'm going to highlight that. I think that was a good one actually, because when you're riding, you're pedaling and you're steering. Yeah. So you're doing two things at yeah, once. Yeah. Yeah. So that's true. If you, if you, if you wanted to learn how to operate a different kind of vehicle that had a similar mode of right. uh, like a motorcycle, similar to pedaling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You, you have to learn a few new things, but the basic idea is the same. Yeah, exactly. Right. Um, and the, the other thing, the other important thing, this is really important, is that uh, study something else in addition to, like, study a different art. Study, study like, the other thing that you're interested in. For me, it was filming, filmmaking. Okay. Like, watching movies and making movies. And adapt whatever you learn in that art into the new art, into because there is there will always be room for it in video games because video games are so like all consuming, all encompassing. Mm -hmm. Every mode of production you can think of can show up and will show up, and like exactly. like thinking about art in one way in an established way. Like if we consider those other arts as established arts because they have like academic institutions in place already where you can engage with them and learn about them in a formal way, uh, whereas with video games it's very limited. Although it is growing, um, once you once you learn uh, a formal art practice, you will mm -hmm. be able to incorporate it into uh, the art of making worlds. Let's say. I like that. It sounds kind of deep. Art making worlds. But that's exactly <laughs> what you're doing. You know, any part. Same yeah. Thing yeah. Any art, really. You're really creating your own. Well, not all arts. Yeah. I would say most arts definitely jump. Most into, arts, yeah. Yeah, most arts definitely jump into making your own world. That's cool. I mean. I can only imagine if this was taken, let's say the same practices were taken and say to make a, not just a documentary, but say something just along the lines of nonfiction and take, take that element of not, and of that nonfiction world and use these practices to use that. I'm sure it's out there, but I mean, as a game though, it'd be like, I think taxi, taxi part was probably the most, maybe the best example that we used so far, um, where we, mm -hmm. it's like an everyday thing. You kind of take it for granted. And here you are, you're, you're applying all these different cool little things to yeah. this. Well, it's like this taxi driver. This is cool. Like if you, if you were to literally take like a book on the like road rules <laughs> and just make each of those rules into a mechanic in a game, like that would be, you could say that's an example of a non, non-fiction or non-fictitious system. Yeah. Yeah. This is so, like you but said, I want also, to highlight. I want to highlight what you said. You said that, you know, if you're just jumping in this for the first time, you could take, like you said, anything, you know, don't limit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Don't yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry. And we were saying something. My bad. What were we saying? Yeah. There are, there are also other like, uh, nonfiction games. Um, like the, I'm having trouble thinking of some, but the, the one that came to mind was, uh, that dragon cancer, which was like right. a very, <laughs> yeah, very emotionally, uh, intense, uh, thing game that um like it has to do with like i think someone's personal experience with cancer or someone that had cancer interesting but i remember hearing about it and reading about it and i and i knew that that was like too much for me at the moment <laughs> yeah but I, I have i have it bookmarked in my mind something to look out look look for at some point uh mm -hmm. yeah but somebody like somebody turning their own nonfiction, like living experience into to a game you know yeah into a world that somebody will interact with and experience and learn about I mean, I can see the benefits of that. I can see someone who has uh, cancer or someone who has a form of cancer or someone who just knows someone who has cancer or maybe not, maybe just interested in it altogether. Yeah. 
and plays it. I mean, it's kind of like yeah. if you wanted to make a memoir, but you don't want to make a, you don't want to write it out, and you don't want to make a film about it. You want to do something that's yeah, like in a different, you know, some like you want to make a memoir in a different kind of way for someone to experience in a different kind of sure. system rather than reading or watching. Then yeah, you would make a game about it. There's there would be no other way. Ed, we're talking the future here. This is good stuff. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure this stuff is being developed as we speak, and it's probably being innovated mile a minute everywhere around the world to some degree. <laughs> and we're kind of like on the we're like, we're just like looking at it. You know what I mean? We're not even yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're like the tip of the iceberg and we're probably really all that stuff that's going down. Um, man, we spoke a lot about your project. And one more time, the name of your project was what again? It's uh, it's culmination colon, well, at least let's just call it systems of expression. Systems of uh, expression. The, the, the build that I have right now is culmination colon systems of expression. But once it comes out, it'll just be systems of expression. What better way, what better title than that? That's like, you basically <laughs> summed it all up with that. And I mean, that's what a title does, everybody. There, Ed's a great <laughs> example of what, how to use a title. And to compass <laughs> everything you. that you said, it's not an abstract, it's a title. So good congrats, <laughs> man. I can't wait to, I, how would we be able to see it? How would that work? Like on, like from, yeah. Yeah. Well, right now it's on my portfolio, which is like, mm -hmm. it's like a work in progress, but it is up right now. It's a, uh, uh, what's the link? Edward Damanov 58.com slash Wix slash portfolio, something like that. Let me okay. actually make sure. Yeah. Feel free to send that. I'll put it okay. into the, the link. I'll put it into the description. Yeah. Um, yeah. Edward Damanov 58.wixsite.com slash portfolio. Okay. Uh, and yeah, it's it's the, the a current build of it is up, although it is missing scenes and just has some text descriptions of scenes that are missing. Okay. But the basic ideas and the kind of there are a few uh, kind of video or film scenes there that kind of go into detail about some of the stuff that I talked about here. Okay. Uh, yeah, and once the finished version will be up, it'll it'll be up on that site. Oh, cool. I'm excited. I know this has been uh, it's been in the making for a bit, so I know once you once it's officially up there, I know the creative you know the creative in you is like a little kid. Yeah, it's happened. Before we head out, is there anything that you would like to just leave the audience with? Um, whether how to find you, I think you just did that just now. You put in a plug. Is there anything else that you want to just share with anybody? Maybe some young gamers out there or gamers like our age who just said, you know what, fuck it, I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna try it out. Um, uh, I don't know. I guess always, always be on the lookout for uh, ways to express yourself in new mediums and try and incorporate those mediums into if you want into video games because it's so it's so open, it's so possible. Thanks, Ed. I really appreciate everything you said today. I mean, you got me through the dark side of the moon to the light side of the moon, so I appreciate it. I was in the dark okay. about some of the things you were talking about, and then as you're talking, it kind of made more and more sense. So I appreciate you um, dumbing it down for me. Um, thank you. And um, hopefully anyone who's watching this got something out of it, too. Uh, what I'm going to do is end here, but we could just wrap up officially. That way it's not on the air, but we'll keep it, keep it going. Let me just stop recording. For a second there, I thought I wasn't recording. I was going to close that. <laughs>